How big does God have to be to have created the vastness and the beauty of the heavens and the earth? I mean, seriously, right? And even more amazing, at least to me, is that the Bible tells us that he, he calls all the stars by name. Now think about that in light of the fact that even with all of our technology here in the 21st century, we can't even begin to count them and he has a name for every single one of them. Our God is vast, majestic, amazing, beyond comprehension. It's in light of these kinds of thoughts that the majesty of the Psalms really comes out for me. Like Psalm 8, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care so much for them? I mean, you've made them a little lower than the angels, crowned them with glory and honor. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the world. I have to tell you, those words from Psalm 8 grip my heart. When, when seeing the wonder of God's creation, I just believe that with the psalmist there, we, we should be filled with wonder for God, don't you think? I mean, whether you look up with a telescope or look down with a microscope, it should fill us with an absolute sense of wonder. And, and here's what wonder does. Wonder leads us to worship. Our response to wonder is worship. We should be, in light of all that God has created, we should be falling down on our knees in awe in gratitude, in service. It should motivate us to say, I live for the pleasure of the king. But more often than not in our world, this isn't what happens at all. I, we live in the midst of all the wonder and yet we miss the majesty, the, the wonder of God himself. Rather than being drawn to and worshiping the God who created, the majority in our world just worship what he created. In fact, here's the problem that I want you to see this weekend. We've lost God in the wonder of his creation, and it seems almost incomprehensible. But that's what we've done in our world. We've lost God. We're missing God. It's like he's nowhere to be found, and it's in the wonder of all of his creation. This is what captured St. Paul in Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, you know, brilliant, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. You know, they, they carve out their own gods in the shape of humans and animals instead of realizing and worshiping the great God. They... They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things, the sun, the moon, the galaxies, the earth, mankind, animals, instead of the creator himself who is forever praised. 
Isn't it crazy? We've missed God in the wonder of all he's created. We're losing God in the wonder of all that he's made. And this is what lies at the heart of the battle that rages in the world. And, and if we're honest, rages inside each and every one of us. I mean, everything around us and in us motivates us, compels us to worship what we see and what we feel. And it's a tragedy when we surrender to this, when we exchange the glory of God for the glory of what he created. It's trading downward. And yet, the struggle we all face is this struggle. It's the struggle that those who wrote the Psalms so beautifully wrote about. It's the definition of World War Me. This week we walk through Psalm 19 together. It's a very different kind of a psalm, so it'll be a very different kind of conversation this week. But here's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping that instead of trading down, we'll start trading up. I'm hoping that instead of missing God in all the ways he's revealing himself, we'll start, we'll start capturing God and seeing God and experiencing him in his fullness. Psalm 19. And here's the truth that I, I want you to get. The truth is that God has revealed himself to us. I mean, we live in a world where people say, show me God. Where is God? And I mean, they make it as if it's an intelligent argument. Remember, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And they're, they're trying to challenge us to show them God. All the while, God is revealing himself clearly in so many ways. And I know I get caught up in this. I mean, there are times that after all these years of following Jesus, after all these years of opening his word and trying to see him in my life and share him with other people, that I can be missing God in the wonder of him touching me and using me and revealing himself to me. I can think that he's got his back turned on me, that he's gone on vacation somewhere, that he's taken a hiatus, that he's not fulfilling his promises. Can you ever get there? I mean, there are days and seasons and sometimes very long seasons when I'm just missing God and all the while he's revealing himself and then God stirs me again. Psalm 19 is one of those places he stirs me. He says, I'm revealing myself to you right now. I'm revealing myself all the time and this weekend all I want to do is I want to encourage you to know that as far away as God might feel from you and your circumstances is as invisible as he might seem to you, God is revealing himself to you and all we have to do is start opening our eyes in new ways and we'll see it. Don't miss him in the wonder of his creation. He's revealing himself. Psalm 19 kind of kicks it off by saying God has revealed himself to us through the wonder of his creation, which is why we've shown these pictures of the stars and the galaxies and the planets. Look at how the psalmist says it in Psalm 19, 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. It's, it's impossible to miss him. I mean, if I, if I hold up my watch and tell you it's an amazing thing, this thing just showed up in my house. All put together was weird. There was a tornado and a hurricane and the house came in and I, underneath it all, a watch, you'd go, Apple made that. And I'd go, of course, that's all I would ever own is Apple, you Samsung losers, you. So it's like, but it's like, 
you'd go, someone made that. And yet, we can look at this universe and we can miss the idea that an iPhone has to have a manufacturer, but the universe can just happen. How crazy is that? Talk about professing themselves to be wise. They become fools. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They... They have no speech. I mean, it's not vocalized. They use no words that we understand. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. You cannot be on this planet wherever you are and miss what they're shouting. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. I love the metaphors. It's like you take all these neat metaphors of humanity that excite us and thrill us and are majestic for us. And he said, that's what God's done in the heavens. Like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises, the sun does, at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. And nothing is deprived of its warmth. And here's what I want you to think about. This is what the psalmist is kind of getting us stirred up about. You think the heavens are glorious? They're just a small glimpse into the glory of God, the one who made them. The creation is never more glorious than the creator. Yet what do we do? We, we experience him shouting day after day after day after day, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And what do we do? We... We enjoy the picture show, but we miss the one who took the pictures, made the pictures, and all the stuff in the pictures. This summer was one of the great examples of that. It's like I, the, the furor over the eclipse was amazing to me. And I know it's a big deal. The moon covered the sun. Awesome. But I mean, the Fuhrer, wasn't it just crazy? I mean, people turned their life upside down. You couldn't go on the internet without saying, don't use the wrong glasses and do all this different stuff and do all the different stuff. And all of the talk of the eclipse, and no one said, isn't the one who made the sun and moon to rotate like this amazing? No. They said, are you wearing the right glasses? Isn't isn't the manufacturer of the lenses that lets us look at the sun and the eclipse awesome? No. The one who made the people, who made the glasses, who made the sun, who made the moon, he's the one that's awesome. He's speaking to you. You want to know God? He's big enough for your problem. He's big enough for your burdens. He's big enough to do anything because he's the one that puts so many stars in the universe that mankind can't count them, can't even find them. He knows you. He knows your needs. He's revealing himself to you. Let's not lose him in the midst of the wonder of all of his creation. We've got to see him. Do you? He's revealing himself to us every day. Finding him is just a matter of opening our eyes. The truth that, that's communicated in Psalm 19 is that God is revealing himself to us, not just through his creation, though. You go, okay, that's great, but that's, that's kind of abstract. I mean, tells us a lot about God. He's powerful, he's big, and all that stuff. He's consistent, you know, but, but tell me more. Okay, he does. The truth is God reveals himself to us through the wonder of his word. That's exactly where the psalmist goes. Uh, I'm just reading the psalm to you. You know, sometimes the greatest talk that I can give is the talk that simply reads through what God says. 
Because I, I don't want you to think that the only way you can really hear from God and be impacted by God is if I write some stirring words around his truth. But the stirring words are his truth. Look at Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Isn't it weird? It's like this weird segue, but it's not because it's communicating the same truth. God's revealing himself to you. Look into the heavens. Are you kidding Look into his word. The law of the Lord, another way of talking about the word, law and precepts, all of these are ways of talking about the fact that he has spoken. God has revealed himself through the wonder of his word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts, the, the words of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, and reverence for the Lord comes from his words. Another metaphor for his word. It's pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And then kind of collectively puts them together. They, all of God's words, however you define them, whatever word you use to describe them, all of God's words are more precious than gold. You, you can't tell that by the way we live our lives, right? You can't tell that by what this world cares about, right? They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. I know that's probably not that big a deal to some of you, but the truth is that back then this was like one of the greatest pleasures of the world, one of the greatest satisfactions of the world to be able to have this kind of nutritional thing, this kind of honey. And and he's saying, greater than any mankind, anything mankind treasures and anything mankind finds pleasure in, that's what God's words are. He's revealed himself through his word. And then he says, by his words, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. God's revealed himself to you through his creation. And then he's spoken to you through his word. It's available to you. You can find him. What a lot of people don't see is that in Psalm 19, what he's doing is he's, he's saying, God's revealed himself to you. Look at the heavens and look at his word. What he's doing is he's creating like a, a parallel comparison between what he's done in creation and what he's done with his word. They're very similar. And the psalmist really captured, I don't know if you saw it, but he, he's saying, when you look at the nature of his word, it's the same thing as the nature of his creation. When you look at the benefits of of seeing him in creation is the same as the benefits of seeing him in his word. And let me just kind of show it to you so you can tease it out. I hope you'll spend some time contemplating it on your own. If you go back to Psalm 19, even if this talk isn't the most exciting talk you've ever heard, when you start processing Psalm 19, it will explode in ways that you can't even comprehend. Because the nature of God's word is that it's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Who hasn't said when they've been in this perfect place of nature, wherever that would be for you, who hasn't said, it's perfect? I've been, a, I've been privileged to stand in a lot of places around the world, you know? I mean, it doesn't get much better than the Grand Canyon, though, you know? You, you stand there and you look at this and go, that's perfect. For me, Quite frankly, I don't get to go there very often, but the few times I have, and I know just going a few times makes me one of the privileged few, but whenever I go to Hawaii, I just go, this is perfect. 
And what did I do in my past life that God made me live in Michigan? That's another thing I say when I go to Hawaii. But okay, I don't believe in past lives and I don't believe in that, but you get the point. It's like, oh my gosh, first time I flew into Hawaii, the water and the thing, it was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Well, you know what? It's exactly right. When you look at the pictures of the universe, like you go, well, it's just, it's crazy perfect. Well, the same is true with his word. It's perfect. And the psalmist says, not only is your word perfect, but it's trustworthy. And once again, the nature of his word is like the nature of creation. You know what we can count on? The sun will come up tomorrow. God is consistent. He's trustworthy. And it's not just seen in creation. It's seen in his word. His word is trustworthy. We can trust what God has promised and what he has spoken. The, the words of God are right, the psalmist says. And they are right. No matter how we feel, they're right. And that compares to nature as well because, you know, a lot of times we feel like we can do things that we really can't in this world of nature. Have you ever stood on a cliff and said, I wonder if I can fly? You can't. You jump off, you're going down. It's just the way it is. And see, God's word, like, like nature, is right. I mean, when you live by them, you find the right ways. When you don't, you fall and crash, you lose. That's, that's because God's revealed himself to you. Well, God never told me. Yes, he did. Do you realize never will we ever be able to tell God, but you didn't reveal yourself to me. He said, are you kidding? I revealed myself to you every day. But you didn't tell me. Yes, I did. I've, I spoke through my word and it was trustworthy and right. The psalmist goes and says, your word, God, is radiant. You know, just as in creation, without the sun, we can't see. Without God's word, we can't see. And this is why so many of us are walking blind and living blind in this world because God's revealed his truth to us, but, but we're not seeing, we're not letting it shine light into our path. It's, the psalmist says, your word is pure. I don't know about you, but there's something cleansing about laying in the sun. Uh, it's like, you know, on that one day of the year in Michigan when the sun is shining and we get to like lay out in it, it's warm enough and those kind of things. It's like, and I know if you're a dermatologist, look at wear sunscreen, friends. I mean, I know about skin cancer and stuff, but isn't there something about just soaking up the rays and how it kind of cleanses you and purifies you and just relaxes you? Of course there is. Well, that's what God's word does. It it's cleansing, it's purifying. And this is why so many of us don't experience the sense of purity because we don't let God's word wash us. The Bible even says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to his word. The psalmist says that God's word is firm. God has revealed himself through his word and it's firm. God's word is as firm as the ground we stand on. That's why Jesus said, if you build your life on my word, then it'll be a foundation could last even through the storms. But if you don't, you're in sinking sand. That's because God's word is firm. You say, life seems so frail. Life seems so fragile. Life seems so unstable. Life seems so insecure. Of course it does if you're not standing on his word. Of course it does but his word's available. And then he, he talks about the benefits of it, just like there are benefits from living in this world, the sun and creation, so God's word. Do you realize God's word's benefit is far more valuable than the most valuable things that he created, far more than gold, far sweeter than honey, as the psalmist says. 
He just goes through the benefits. I hope you'll spend some time on them because these are the things we ask God for on a daily basis. And these are the things he's made available to us through his word. These are the things that we think are missing, but these are the things that aren't missing at all. We're just missing him. We've lost God in the midst of his wonder. Because in his word, when we turn to it, it refreshes us, the psalmist says. It makes us wise. Boy, do we need that. It gives us joy. It gives us light for our path. Another psalm says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Of course, if you're walking in darkness, it's not because the light's not available. It's because you're not seeing it. It gives us security, firm footing. It gives us goodness. It brings greater value than gold or the sweetness of honey. It gives us safety. And when we listen to God and his word, it ensures that we live a life of great reward. But most of us don't have confidence of any of that. Why? Because we've, we've missed God in the heavens and we've missed God in his word. We're, we're not listening. God's revealing himself. It's just we don't want to hear him. Now, once we see him as he is in creation and in his word, the, the desired response is worship. I mean, when I started seeing God in, in his heavens finally, because I hadn't for a long time, when I started seeing God in his word finally, because I hadn't for a long time, I mean, what I wanted to do is I wanted to know him and I wanted to worship him. I wanted to believe it, but I have to tell you, I had a real hard time. Instead, when I started seeing God in his heavens as they are, and I started seeing God in his word as it is, rather than allowing me to worship and feel close, I found separation and dissonance. Now listen to me, this is really important because the psalmist captures this in, verse, in chapter 19. As it turns out, we're nothing like God. I mean, we, we try to be, we pretend we are, but we're nothing like God. And because of that, it's hard for us to believe that he loves us and wants to reveal himself to and through us, that, that he created us in the same way he created the heavens and, and spoke in his word. Because, see, here's the thing. We don't match up well with his creation and his word. You see, we, are, we see ourselves through our weaknesses, through our failures, through our guilt, and through our shame. We're, we're far from what he is and from what he creates. Think about this. It's like the heavens, you know, are perfect. I'm not. The word is perfect. He created that, right? He spoke that. I'm not. I'm nothing like what he creates. I mean, what he creates is trustworthy, and I'm not all that trustworthy. What he creates is right, and I feel very often very wrong. What he creates is radiant. My wife has never looked me at the eyes and said, honey, you're radiant. It just hasn't happened. <laughs> I mean, this world, what he creates is pure, and I don't feel pure to you. What he creates is firm. I don't feel like I'm on firm footing more often than not. And so I feel dissonance and separation, not closeness, when I start seeing God in these things. We don't generally refresh each other and make each other wise and give joy and light and security. We, we don't feel more valuable than gold or better than sweet honey. We view ourselves through our eyes instead of through his. And this lies at the root of world war me. It's the war I'm in. Here's the concept. We're 
always at war between these two worlds, between the world where I know the reality of who I've been and who I am and the reality of who God says I am and who he created me to be and who I can be. And I'm at war between those two. I'm a failure, he says, but you can be forgiven. I, I'm living a meaningless life, but you can live a life of meaning, but I'm not valuable, but you can be my ultimate treasure. And I'm living at war between those two. I want what he says to be true, but I feel like the other is true. Do you ever live in that? But you need to know he's revealed himself to you. You can be exactly like what he wants you to be. You can be the outcome of his creation. And this is where God has to reveal himself to us again in another way, because if it's just through creation and just through his word, we have dissonance, feel separated, and we're nothing like that, but it's not. Do you realize, and please, this is where it really gets important. God has revealed himself to us through the wonder of his grace. He's revealed himself to us through the wonder of his grace. This is where the psalmist goes. Look at, it's really interesting from nature to his word to then to himself. And look at the dissonance, he says, verse 12, but who can discern their own errors? I mean, I know what you're like in the heavens. I get it. I, I know what you expect from your word. I, I get it. But who can discern their own errors? I keep blowing it. I keep making mistakes. I keep thinking I'm doing right and I do wrong. Do you ever feel like that? He says, forgive my hidden faults. You know, those things that I don't even know, God, that stuff that I, I've done that I don't even know, you've got to forgive that. But then he says, keep your servant also from willful sins. It's not just the things that I do that I don't, I'm not even aware of, but there are times that I'm really aware of what you want from me, what your word says, and I just say, jam it. I'm going to do what I want, and, and forgive me for that obstinance and that rebellion and that disobedience. Forgive me for wanting to be God instead of letting you be God. And then he says, may this, these, these failures of mine not rule over me, he says, my, my hidden faults and my willful faults, may they not define me because if they define me, I'll never know the God of creation, the God of the word. Then he says, if you forgive me, I'll be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I'll be like what you created me to be. And then he says, may these words, it's almost like this benediction, he's done it. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And then look at how he calls Lord, the Lord, the Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He says, you know, I've blown it. I'm nothing like your creation. I'm nothing like your word. I've made mistakes without even knowing it. I do the wrong thing without even knowing it. And I do the wrong thing with knowing it. Unless you forgive me, unless you give me grace, I'll never be able to live up to this. I'll never be able to know you. But then he says, you have become my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. What's the rock? There's the firmness. There's the security. There's the foundation. Everything we're supposed to get in this world. And what's the redeemer? There's the forgiveness. There's the love. There's the relationship that we can have. We can have everything we want because God has communicated himself through the wonder of his grace. But here's what's sad to me. Most people never learn to recognize God's wonder in creation or his word because they never experience him as their rock or their redeemer. They never live out verses 12 through 14. In fact, some of us embrace Psalm 19.1. Wow, those are awesome. God must be awesome. Wish I could know him. Some of us even look into his word and go, wow, that's awesome. Wish I could experience it. Wish it worked for me. And the reason it doesn't is because we've never, ever let Jesus become our rock and our redeemer. We've never, ever let him reveal himself to us through grace. 
verses 12 through 13, he makes it clear on our own, and I can relate so much to this. On our own, we're helpless and hopeless. Just as we can't live without the Son, nor can we live without God's Word, and realize without looking and listening to God's Word, we can't figure life out. We can't genuinely know ourselves. We can't stay on the right path. We're going to fall. If we're not ruled by the God of wonder in his word, we'll be ruled by something else, and that's exactly what's happening in most of our lives. We're ruled by something that doesn't have our best interest in mind. Until we see God and know God and experience his grace, we won't build our lives on a rock but on sinking sand. Until we know his redemption and new life, we'll only know failure. And quite frankly, more of my life than not, that's what I've known. But all the while, God speaks through creation, through his word, through grace. Right now, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but I do know this. He's speaking, and he wants to speak through grace in your life. Because of his grace, we don't have to live separated from him. We don't have to live in dissonance. We don't have to live ruled by our failures. By grace, God guides us. He's our rock. Look at Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way and lead me in the way everlasting. Remember, Psalmist says, I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, how can I discern my way of life? Sometimes without knowing it, I blow it. Sometimes willfully, I blow it. And what the Psalmist then says here is, but God, you can search me and know me and you can help me to see what's wrong and what's right you can help me to see the right paths to the wrong you can give me this wisdom and you know what it is when the God who created the universe is willing to guide me it's grace I mean, all of us have a lot going on in our lives, and doesn't it make it tough for us to invest our lives and our time in everyone who needs us, even those who are closest to us sometimes? It's really hard. And yet this God who created the universe and spoke the word, and even though we're less than perfect, he still wants to guide us, each and every one of us. He still has time for us. That's grace. He's revealed himself to us. He can be your rock. By grace, God forgives us. He's the redeemer. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What's that talking about? Because we're so frail and we fail, because of our sin and guilt, the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And that's our lot, to be forever in dissonance with God, ever separated from God, not knowing the God of creation, not knowing the God of the word, not knowing hope, only knowing our failure, but God wouldn't let that happen because he's also revealed himself through grace. And you know the great picture of it, right? Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth and living the life that we failed to live and then dying on the cross in the place of us for our sin and then rising again to give us new life. What's that? That's better than him putting the heavens together and that's better than him putting his word together. That's him revealing himself through grace and we can know him because of this. Jesus, who is he? The one who created. When you look at the pictures of the universe, you can realize that the one who created that was willing to come to earth and hang on a cross for you. Why isn't God speaking to me? He is. 
Why doesn't God care about me? He does. You just have to open your eyes to him and your heart. Think about this. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who spoke the word, the God who's all over Psalm 19 is also the redeemer. He's the one who died on the cross for our sin. Are you kidding me? It makes the application simple. By grace, we can know God. Everything he's revealed to us tells us we can know him and we can live in the fullness of his wonder. Though we've missed it in the past, we don't have to miss it in the now. Here in the present, we can experience it, but to experience it, we have to receive it. His grace. I mean, like the psalmist, we'll never really know him until we experience him as redeemer. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it's by grace, God, that you've saved us through faith. And this isn't from ourselves. Grace isn't from ourselves. Salvation isn't from ourselves. You can't earn it through religion. Faith isn't from ourselves. It's not from ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not something you can work for. It's something that you can receive. No one's going to boast when they have it. I think we need to realize that it's, it's been all of this and more that God has shared. But I think it has to get personal. In fact, I know it does. And if I could just tell you, I... I for years didn't see God in what he made. And I for years didn't see God in his word. And in fact, I didn't see any of that until I finally saw God in his grace. And that came when I experienced the brokenness that comes with missing God in this world. I knew what it was like to live in the end of Psalm 19 where I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to be doing and where I'm supposed to be going. And when I'm trying to do right, I do wrong. And when I know what's right, I willfully go against that. And I am a mess. And I knew what it was like to be broken and failed and feel like I would never be able to know God if there was a God. And then he revealed himself through his grace, through people whose lives had been transformed through circumstances that he brought in my life, I finally woke up to the fact that he really does love me, that he really did make a way for me, that I really can know him if I put my faith in Jesus, and, and I did. And I'll tell you, it was then that all of a sudden the heavens opened up and I started seeing him. It was then that his words started opening up and I started seeing him. It was then that I started experiencing life in its fullness, but it wasn't until I saw him through his grace. Have you? Some of you are waiting until your head gets a grip on God. Your head will never get a grip on God. It's like an ant trying to get a grip on humanity. Some of you are waiting until your heart figures it all out. Your heart is broken and never figure it out. How, how's your heart do with love? How's your heart doing with choosing people who will be good for you and right for you? How's your heart doing with it doesn't do very well because it's broken. But God can repair all of that with his grace if we'll let him. And all you have to do is just receive it. Do you know the God of wonder? Why not? All you have to do is receive his grace. And so just before I finish this talk and we move into worship, which is the right response to seeing God in all of his wonder, I'm going to ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer. Would you do that? If you just bow with me a word of prayer just for a moment. And if you're here and you're already a person who 
genuinely knows God, I know for a fact that you still miss him and lose him even in the midst of the wonder I do. And I just encourage you to talk to him about that. But for those of you who have never really experienced Jesus giving you new life, never really known him as redeemer, won't you receive his grace this weekend? Just take my words in this prayer and make them the words of your heart. You don't have to say it out loud, but in your heart, just say, Jesus, I, I just, I need your grace. I, I am guilty. I know what it's like to mess up and be a mess up. But I really do believe that you've revealed yourself by dying on the cross for my sin and rising again for new life. And in this moment, best I can, I'm giving you my sin and by faith receiving your grace. And I'll thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we move into worship and I bring this talk in for a landing, I, I just really want to encourage you, if you prayed with me, please, please, please let us know. If you're in one of our services, one of our four campuses, we give out these programs and inside is this thing we call a connection card. It's the only way we've found to really communicate with each other and you just take it out, rip it out and fill it out and there's a place where you can say, I prayed with you to receive Jesus. Just check that and then as you're leaving, you don't have to talk to anyone, as you're leaving, put it in the boxes right outside the exit doors. You can hand it to a guest service person if you'd like and we want to send you a Bible and uh, kind of some information about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. We'd love to be a part of it. And if you're watching online, hit the what next button. We'll do the same for you. If you're here in our services at all of our campuses, I really want to encourage you that we have a prayer team that meets up front after the service is over. And if you want someone to talk to or to pray with or pray for you, just come forward after it's over. We won't make a big deal about it. No one's going to be watching you. And and you can spend some time with someone talking about what's going on in your life. But here's how I want to conclude the talk before we worship. I want you to remember that we live in a world that is far away from God. Now listen to me. We live in a world that's far away from God. We live in a world where media is far away from God and politics is far away from God and education is far away from God and the marketplace is far away from God and the neighborhoods are far away from God. And I mean, it's just far away from God. But the truth is that God is not far away from us. He's constantly revealing himself to us through the wonder of his creation and word and grace. And all we have to do is begin looking for him. Just begin looking for him. And he says, if we seek, we'll find. Remember, knowing God is the gold we should be looking for. You're not going to resolve your problems by getting a bigger bank account. But man, you can experience the fullness of God if you find God. We should begin opening our eyes to him. He's the reward we're wanting. It results in everything we're looking for and longing for. So as we leave here this weekend, let's make this commitment. We will not lose the wonder of God in the midst of his wonder. Rather, we will respond to the wonder of God by worshiping the God who gave us his wonder. And I can't think of a better way to respond to this talk and to experience him now, to recognize his presence than worshiping. So would you join us? as we worship the God of wonder.